You're listening to a message from Highway Church entitled, Get on the Highway. Enjoy. Hot dog. God is so good. So let's get to know him more. Come on, let's, let's get to know the life-giving resurrection power of Christ in our everyday life. That's what we're doing. We want to invite you to get on the highway. Facebook, get on the highway and experience God's amazing love for you. All right? Let's get on, let's get on the highway. Let's stay on the highway. What's a highway? A highway is a structure that we get on that takes us from where we are to where we want to be. In life, Jesus is that highway. If you'll trust him and you'll make him the passion of your heart, he'll take you from where you are from what, to where you were meant to be. That's what he does. He's so kind. He's so good like that. That even in all of our, our uh, attitudes and issues, he comes in with such a gentleness. And he listens to our junk. And then he loves us. And he says, let me lift you up and let me bring you forward. Let me show you how good life can be. And that's what we're doing here. We, we gather on Sunday mornings to bring people into the abundant life that Christ came to give them. It's time for depression to be done in your life. It's time for anxiety and fear to be forever banned from your circles. How does that happen? By coming to know in your heart and your mind how much he loves you. So at Highway Church, we are not focused on how much we have to try and love him. That's not our focus. Our focus is on how much he loves us and how he has perfectly expressed that love to us through the life of his son in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. So we're going we're gonna to get on the highway this morning. We're going to leave here this morning stronger than when we came in. Expect to be changed every time we gather. We don't need to be the same. Jesus is the same, but we want to change. Change means profit to you. Do you know that? Change is profitable to you. The more you become like him, the better your life gets. The more you submit to him, the, the more joy you're going to have. The more strength you'll have flowing through your bones. Give him your whole self. Why not? Give him your whole, come on, you, give him your whole self this morning. I hope you didn't come just to go to a church. I hope you came to give your whole self to him. Every dream, every desire, every, every uh, fond wish, every little hope, every great big expectation. We're doing it. Lord, we're here this morning. We give you every tiny little hope. Every teeny tiny desire. Stuff way back in the corners that we haven't thought about in years. We give you our whole person. Lead us. Mold us. Shape us. Change us. We're forever yours. And we're never going back. We give you our whole lives. And we publicly declare that we belong to you. 
we acknowledge that we were bought with a price, the price of your son, and that there is nothing sweeter than your love for us. We receive it this morning. Help us, Holy Spirit, to leave here stronger than when we came in. We're relying on you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if it's your first time here, this is what we do. We just, we, we just worship Jesus. We receive healing from him. We put our attention on him. We give him our whole selves. I'm not interested in religious tradition. I tried that. It never works and it never will. The only thing that's going to work for you is a personal, real, intimate, vibrant, daily relationship with the real Jesus. That's the only thing that works. He never came to set up kind of some kind of religious system where people go week after week feeling guilty and going through the rituals they're told to go through and never being changed and never getting any better and never having any confidence and surety in who God is and what he's done for them. He came that you might know and be sure and be certain that life abundantly belongs to you now because of the price he paid. Hallelujah. Are you ready? Goggles are off. Religious goggles are off. Religious earbuds are out. I have a question for you. What does God think about you? What are God's intentions towards you? That might seem like a scary question. Because really when we think about that, we start thinking, well, what do I think of myself? And sometimes that's not too good because we know ourselves, right? <laughs> and we know the mistakes we've made. We know the, the times we've fallen short. But I want you to know that what God thinks about you is very different. He actually, where was I reading this week? And I don't remember what psalm it was. It wasn't Psalm 139. It was, uh, hmm, I don't remember. I was going through different ones. But the psalmist says that, that, uh, that your, the thoughts about me, I can't, your thoughts about me, I can't even count them. And every thought God has about you is a thought that will thrill you. It's a thought that is guaranteed to turn your frown upside down. Guaranteed. Every single thought that he has about you is a thought that will make you happy. Guaranteed. So what changes our lives when we stop thinking our own thoughts and begin to think his thoughts after him? Remember, believing that God exists won't help you at all. We're not here to try and believe that he exists. God's existence couldn't be more obvious. Seriously. We're not trying to, to put anyone down here, but it's important to come out of the fog of man's thinking. You say, how do, how, what do you mean God's existence is so obvious? Listen, okay, we got a pulpit here that, that was shipped to us. Ask me some questions about this thing. What do you want to know? Any questions? How heavy is it? I think it's like 40 pounds. What else do you want to know? What's it made of? I don't know. Some kind of metal. I don't know. Yeah, you can ask me all kinds of questions, where I bought it from, how much it costs, but there's one question you're not going to ask me about this pulpit. Did someone make that? <laughs> that pulpit, did, did someone make that? 
why would you never ask me that? It couldn't be more obvious. This thing was designed by somebody. Let's just be real. Come on, don't turn me off when I'm talking about this. It's so true. You can't have a design without a designer. You can't. It's, imp- it's never happened before, and it never will. Look at the, look at the way this metal was, was uh, formed and joined together with a shelf right. I mean, I don't even have to ask. I just look at it. I can say, wow, who made that? Where would you get that from? How much was it? I want one of those, right? But the design of this pulpit tells me very clearly someone designed it. You can't have a song without a songwriter. You can't read a book. You can't have a book without an author. And you can't have a you without a God. You are the, the, the best evidence of the existence of God. Look at this. What kind of a design is that? I don't have any batteries in me. No, no Bluetooth, no Wi-Fi. And look, I can just do that. How can you look at yourself in the mirror and deny God? God made you. You've been designed by the designer. Nothing could be more obvious. Nothing is more impressive on this earth than the design of the human body. Nothing. So we're not here to try and believe that God exists. That's a waste of time. Nothing can be more. I don't try and believe that my name is Joseph. I know it is. Why would I waste time trying to believe that? That's, you know, that's, that's an established reality, right? But what we do want to know is his intentions towards us. What's he like? What will he do if I come to him? How will he respond to me if I shout at him, if I cry, if I fall on my face, if I swear at him? What's he going to do? That's what you want to know. What's his heart towards you? You can talk to ten different people and ask them that question. What are God's intentions towards you? You'll get ten different answers probably. So how are we going to know? How are we going we can, to, we can theorize, we can sit around with theologians or philosophers and they'll tell you all kinds of things, but that's a waste of time. You can't afford to go another day in your life without being 100% sure of God's intentions towards you. You can't afford it. Because there's a thief in this earth trying to confuse you. And if you're not 100% sure of God's love and intentions towards you, Satan can steal from you. You can't afford to go one more day without being absolutely sure of how much God loves you. You ready for a shocking verse? Let's do it. Hebrew, excuse me, Hosea 4, verse 6. Put that baby up there. Hosea 4, verse 6. That's a shocker, isn't it? Here's God speaking. The last thing, I mean, God's plan for you is wholeness, prosperity, and success. There are religious leaders that would get mad at me for saying that, and I understand that, but they they just need to get to know the heart of God more. 
God says, my people are destroyed, not because I don't love them, not because I, I missed something in their life, not because I didn't show up, not because I caused some tragedy in their life. He doesn't do that. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. But understand what that what kind of knowledge? Not arithmetic, not chemistry. The knowledge of my heart. Lack of knowledge of my intentions toward them. People are being destroyed, are being stolen from, are being confused, are, are defenseless because they don't know how much I love them. They're not 100% sure and certain that I made them for a divine purpose and my plan is to prosper them. Nothing will benefit you more than gaining the true knowledge of God. Nothing. Nothing. Nothing will transform your life more and cause you to succeed more than gaining the true knowledge of God's heart for you. By the same token, or conversely, nothing will trip you up more Nothing will confuse you more. Nothing will open the door to the enemy in your life more than lacking in the true knowledge of God. You need it. You've got to get it. You have to make it priority one in your life. That's why we're gathering, to know him more, right? Isn't that what we, we talk about, uh, Philippians 3.10? Our determined purpose is to know him more, right? To gain the true knowledge, to experience him more. Put Matthew chapter 8 up there. Starting in verse 1. Here's a man. We'll start verse 1. When he was, let's read it. When he was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. I like to just try and imagine that. Don't read the Bible too fast. When you read the Bible, I remember... First time before I ever read it, back in 1989, someone gave me one. I put it on my desk in my room, and uh, I was living in a dorm at the time, and I said, God, show yourself to me as I read this book. Is this your word? And I opened it up started reading the book of John, and I was trusting in him. Didn't know a lot about what I'm sharing with you, but I was trusting in him to explain it to me as I read it. That's how you read your Bible. Because when you can read the book and the author of the book is living inside it, inside you, he'll explain it to you. Isn't that wonderful? So don't read too fast. As you're reading, listen in your heart. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, so there are multitudes, that, that could, thousands and thousands of people following Jesus. Why? They, they heard, he, he teached and preached and healed everywhere he went. And they wanted more. They couldn't get enough of him. So thousands and thousands of people are following. And behold, there came a leper. Luke's account is this as a man full of leprosy. This could have been a man with body parts missing. His face could have been eaten up. So this, he, was, he was at an advanced stage of leprosy. Fingers missing, we don't know. But it, Luke, Luke, who was a physician, said he was full of leprosy. So this man probably was watching 
Jesus preached from a distance, maybe hiding under a rock or in a cave somewhere, listening. And he said, I've got to get to this man. I've never heard anything like this. And he comes and he worships Jesus saying, Lord, if you will. He doesn't know God's intentions towards him. He's not sure. He's not 100% sure of what God will do to him, of how God will respond to him. And the, the vast majority of Christians are in the same place today. They don't know. They come to church week after week, and they are unsure of how God will respond to them because they haven't been taught the true knowledge of God. You know, you can come to church your whole life and not know him. If you will, imagine what this man must have suffered for years. And he now has a little bit of hope. He says, if you will, you can, you have the ability to make me whole, to restore every missing body part. So he believed that God could do it, but the missing link, he didn't know that it was his will to do it. And when you don't know his will, you can't receive from him consistently. This is the confidence that we have in 1 John, what, 5, help me out. This is the confidence we have before God, 5, 16, 13, 14. This is the confidence we have before God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know, we are sure, and we are certain we have it. Stay with me. If you need to pinch yourself, or the person next to you, go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Boop. I don't want you to fall asleep because we're just, we're, we haven't hit, we haven't gotten to the, the stuff yet. Okay, we're just warming up. If you will, you can make me clean. And look at Jesus without hesitation. He puts forth his hand, he touches him. You weren't allowed to do that. See, in the Old Testament, if someone touched a leper, the leper would affect them. In the New Testament in Christ, if we touch a leper, we affect the leper. Right? Why? Because righteousness is stronger than sickness. Jesus was not afraid. He knew the life that was in him was stronger than the sickness that was in that man. We need to know the same thing. We're not afraid. We can go anywhere at any time, and whoever we touch is going to get life. Because life is in us. And the life in us is stronger than anything in this world. Jesus put forth his hand and he touched him. This wasn't a fist bump. This was a touch. He didn't have gloves on. He didn't have a mask on. He touched this man who was full of disease. And he said, my intentions towards you are for you to be whole. My will is your wholeness. I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. Let the words of Jesus settle this question for you. You see, the true knowledge of God is not found in a building. It's not found in man's philosophies. It's found in the person and ministry of Jesus Christ. 
And the clearest place you'll ever find to read and study it is in the four, first four books of the New Testament and the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. Study them. Get to know God's intentions. When you're studying Jesus, you're studying the true knowledge of God. Now, here's what many have done, and I understand I was there myself. Many have tried to determine God's intentions based on what they've been through. And we've all been through stuff. So many, based on the, the challenges they face, the, the, maybe the tragedies, whatever, they've tried to piece it all together and figure out God based on their life experience. And that doesn't work. You're guaranteed to be confused. You're guaranteed to miss his will for you if you've done that. You've got to step away from what you've been through and look directly at Jesus in the Gospels and Acts. You've got to study him. You've got to get him in your heart. You've got to read those books over and over again and know that when you're looking at him, you're looking at the will of God. If I have come to a conclusion about God based on what I've been through that does not agree with what we just read, I've made a mistake. Did you catch that? If I've come to a conclusion about God's will for my health, where some people will tell you, well, you know, God is trying to teach you something through that disease. That disease is a blessing in disguise. No, it's not. It's a devilish curse that will destroy you. God did not send it. It is not his purpose. It was never his will. God hates sickness and disease. He didn't create it. It came about through the perversion and curse of sin. And Satan is the one who uses it to oppress people. Sickness is never the will of God for your life. Never. Well, and are we okay? I have, I've been brought here to tell you this. For decades, I've spent time with the Lord for this moment, for you. Hear what I'm saying. I'm not spouting off something to make people mad. I want you to know him as he is, not through the distorted lens of your past experience and religious philosophy. Jesus is the healer. He always has been the healer. He always will be the healer. It is his will for you to be whole. But you can't enjoy that if you don't know that. That man went for years with leprosy. He could have been whole as soon as he heard Jesus, but he didn't know it was his will. I imagine there were priests who probably told him, well, this is part of your penance because of all the mistakes you've made. You've got, this is your cross to bear. I've heard stuff like this, and it's all trash. <laughs> we're just going to say it. Anything contrary to the person of Jesus is trash. It is. It, it belongs in the trash can. Garbage. Not trying to make anyone mad, but I need Jesus, you need Jesus. It's time to throw out the trash and let life come pouring in. We're taking out the trash this morning. I'm so glad. Woo! It's trash day. Take out the trash. 
Set your cans out at the end of the road. Here comes the truck. Woo! So many have done that. And I understand that. It's hard. You're trying to cope. It hurts. I was so sick most of my life. And I tried to understand why I was so sick. I grew up in a medical family, in and out of hospitals. And I just got to a point as an adult, I thought, well, maybe that's just the way I'm made. Maybe that's God's plan for my life. But I didn't know any of this. I'm just trying to figure it out in my own head based on me, based on what others said to me. And then when I opened this book and I began to read the book of John, I said, well, who is this? Who is this Jesus? Why hasn't someone told me about this, this Jesus that came to change my life? that heals the sick and raises the dead and makes the blind see and the deaf hear, the lame walk and the maimed whole. Why didn't someone tell me this? I sat in church my whole life and no one told me this. I'm here telling you this. In a warehouse. Hey! Tradition robbed me of the life God had for me. I'm not religiously correct and I'm not politically correct. I want Jesus. I'm not trying to offend anyone. Tradition will rob you of the abundant life Christ came to give you. Look at Mark chapter 7, verse 13 in the Darby translation. This is the words of Jesus. He said, you're making void. That means of no effect. Empty. Useless. The word of God, how? By your tradition. By your traditional teaching. I had traditional teaching out the yin-yang, whatever that is. And it didn't help me one stinking bit. I needed Jesus, the real Jesus. He does not stink ever. He's fresh. He's the aroma of heaven 24-7. There's nothing stinky about him. There's nothing stinky about pursuing him, worshiping him, giving him your every desire. Let him transform your life into the aroma of heaven. You're making void the word of God that that positioned galaxies becomes of no effect to me if I hold on to traditional teachings. Yeah. If I hold on to any idea that can't be supported by the ministry of Jesus as recorded in the Gospels and Acts, it's going to make his word of no effect in my life. Man, that's big. So guess what? I'm on on, uh, making the word of God void alert with my thought life. Right? If a thought comes in or I hear a minister, I don't care what church they're ministering at or how many robes they're wearing or how esteemed they are or how many New York Times bestseller books they have, if what they're saying doesn't perfectly agree with my Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts, it goes in the trash. Because I've got to live this life. I'm the only one with me all the time, me and Jesus, right? So if Satan comes against me, I need to know the will of God. I can't rely on a New York Times bestseller. I've got to have the living Christ inside of me so the devil stays defeated in my life. Yes. False knowledge of God. There's way too much of it in the church. 
these false ideas. And sometimes we do that to try and cope with what we've been through, right? Maybe we've lost a loved one and to try and cope, which is a tragedy. But the way to cope is by renewing your mind. See, we don't look at death the same. The world does. We don't even taste it if we're believers. We pass right on through it. There is no death for those who believe, Jesus said. It will change the way you look at your loved ones if you renew your thinking. But so sometimes we try and cope by someone will come along and say, well, it must have been God's timing or must, God must have took him. The only people in the Bible that God took, he took alive straight to heaven. Elijah was one. Who else? Uh, Enoch. Who else? Jesus. Did I miss anybody? No, I don't know. I think, I think Moses was buried, wasn't he? Yeah, I'm talking about, no, I'm talking about ascending, heart beating, ascending. Yeah, so God doesn't do that. God doesn't take people for his collection. He doesn't have a shelf he puts people on to look at him. He's not some kind of twisted pervert. He brings life. I wasn't expecting all this this morning, but we just have to say some things. So Jesus taught us, if you'll study his ministry, that it's God's will to heal. Never once did he make a person sick. Never once did he tell them, I have some divine purpose in your situation, your sickness. Jesus also taught us that Satan is the ruler of this world. Religious leaders get mad at me for saying that, some of them. He said, Satan is the prince, the ruler of this world. Jesus taught us that this is a big one. This is probably the largest hindrance to people receiving healing and things from God. Jesus taught us that God's will does not automatically happen. This is so important. Well, if it happens, it must have been God. What? What are you thinking? Who told you such a thing? How can you be so foreign to the love of Jesus to think that a child dying in a car accident was somehow God? What kind of goofy, twisted thinking is that? I know this hurts, but it needs to be said because Christ is coming back and he wants to come back for a people who know him. How can I tell someone that that some tragedy was a part of God's plan if I want to know Jesus? He didn't demonstrate that ever. Ever. We have to talk about this in church. It's time for someone to say this. I don't need to cope with the passing of a loved one by, by changing my image of God. He's good all the time. Something happens, Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan took them before his time. I don't know how. I don't know what what happened. I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know how the door got open. But something went wrong somewhere, and it wasn't God. You don't know what people are thinking in their hearts. You don't know what's going on. But we know that Satan's roaming around looking for someone to devour. So we certainly can't say God did something. If, if the fault is anywhere, it's with us. Is that okay to say that? If there's a mistake made, guess what? It's me. It's certainly not him. Right? 
He's perfect in all his ways. So we don't want to change our image of God because of what we've been through. You're going to have some kind of twisted Van Gogh thing or, you know, who, who, is that the artist? That, uh, yeah. I love him, but I'm just, you know, the nose over here and No. Jesus said this, his disciples said, teach us how to pray. They wanted to live like him. They wanted to do what he did. And he taught them, he said, our father, first thing, you've got to know God as your father. You've got to lift up his name, his person, his nature in your life. And then you've got to pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? Pray, speak, command his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why did he teach us that? Because it doesn't automatically happen. If you're expecting God's will to automatically happen in your life, you're going to be very disappointed, to say the least, and very confused, and may probably just walk away at some point. You have to know him personally, and then you have to enforce his will. Why? Because there's a devil in this world. There are demons in this world, and they want you and they want your kids. Man, I wasn't expecting all this this morning. I know it's not. it may not be a... Uh, you know, the normal message, but this is it. Listen, there are demons roaming the earth wanting to eat you up, man. You can't afford to, to play games, is this God's will? You got to know God's will is for me to be whole. When I, see, when I began to know that, I could stand against sickness now. So if any symptoms began to come into my body, I could stand up and say, No! You're not allowed in my body anymore. You may have been for the last 10 years, but I know something now. I've gained the true knowledge of God that he bore my sicknesses, he carried my diseases, and I resist you. I don't allow you to operate in my life anymore. This is walking with him. There are things in this earth you have to resist. But you won't know what to resist if you don't know his intentions. If you don't know his will, you'll be accepting things that you should be resisting. And sometimes you'll be resisting things you should be accepting. Good things. God wants good things in your life. But religious pride will say, well, I don't need that. Yeah, God wants you to have good things. Don't resist prosperity. Don't think it's not for you. Why can't you have a mansion on a hill? Why can't you have the best? Is it your father God? Religion robs people of the good things God has for them. Poverty, Jesus came to destroy poverty, and he did it. Woo! Have you noticed the things that Jesus bore are still in the earth? Sickness, disease, sin. So what if we were trying to determine God's will by looking at the condition of the world? Ooh. Did he, did he bear our sins? Why is there sin in the world? It must be God's will. Do you see how faulty that thinking is? Did he bear our sicknesses? Yes. Why is there sickness in the world? It must be God's No. You can't tell God's will by looking at the condition of the world. It's a fallen world under the curse of sin. But you can come out from that condition through knowing his will. That condition doesn't have to affect you. If you realize what his will is for you and you stand against the garbage. So Jesus, he's this true knowledge of God. He said, you've got to pray for God's will to be done in your life just as in heaven. Don't just let stuff happen. 
Everything that happens is not God's will, and it's not his reason. Jesus said very clearly, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, if you want to know truth, you've got to look at me. We saw Jesus in his ministry resisting and rebuking. (laughs) He resisted temptation. He rebuked storms. He rebuked sickness. He didn't once say, this must be from my Father, or let's go through it. He knew where storms come from. I'm amazed to hear the things I hear uh, Christians say. It's storming. I'll say, well, God's you know, causing the storm, basically. Jesus never said that. Never. He demonstrated to us that storms are not a part of God's plan. He rebuked them if they hindered God's plan for his life. We can't travel the earth rebuking storms. We're just following him. If one comes our way, we rebuke that one. You rebuke yours, I'll rebuke mine. Right? We're not weathermen. We're following Christ. Our job is not to control the weather. Our job is to follow him. If anything comes in our path that's contrary to his plan, we rebuke that. So what we believe does not create truth. Just because I believe something in no way means it's true. I don't care how many degrees I have. I don't care what accomplishments I've achieved. Believing something doesn't make it true. But... What I believe does determine how much real truth I personally experience. So if that leper would have believed that it was not God's will to heal him, he would not have received it. He could have gone through his religious rituals for the rest of his life and died of that disease. But he decided to believe what Jesus said when he said, I will. It is my will for you to be clean. And because he changed his thinking, he was able to be whole. Hallelujah. We've got two more scriptures. Father, thank you for what you're doing in this region of our nation. Thank you for revealing Christ in our meetings. God wants you to be whole, spirit, soul, and body. He's provided that wholeness for you through his son, but you've got to know it. He wants you to be overflowing with joy, with peace, with strength, with resources and provision. In fact, Jesus said it so clearly. It is undeniable. In John chapter 10, verse 10. This is one of the most important scriptures in all of the Bible. It is a litmus test. It is a way of discerning what is from God and what is not from God in our lives. Jesus said this, the thief, is God a thief? Will he ever steal from you? Will he ever hurt you? Will he ever turn his back on you? Will he ever do anything perverted to you? Of course not. So don't believe that stuff. The thief, Satan, and all his devils, anyone who's following him, comes only for three reasons. To steal from you, to kill, and to destroy you. In direct contradiction to Satan's agenda, I came 
that they may have life and might have it abundantly. So here we have the dividing line. Go through your life. Is it ha- does it have to do with stealing, killing, or destroying? Or does it have to do with life and life abundantly? The stuff that's life and life abundantly is from God. The stuff that has to do with stealing, killing, and destroying is not, period. It's that simple. It's that simple. It's that simple. The Bible in basic English said the thief comes only to take the sheep and to put them to death. He comes for their destruction. I have come so that they may have life and have it in greater measure. Oh, it's not up there. Bible in basic English. Let's do the amplified. Got the amplified there. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. Look what Jesus said. I came that they might have and enjoy life. I thought that was bad before I started reading Jesus. I thought that coming to church meant you were supposed to be kind of somber and sad. That we weren't supposed to enjoy life. That that was for people who didn't know the Lord. How backwards is that? No one enjoys life more than us. Oh, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No one parties like we party. No one celebrates like we celebrate. I came that you might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. This is the will of Jesus, right? How do we know? He said so. Not because of what we've been through. We don't, we don't determine his will by what we've been through, right? We're smarter than that. We're wiser than that. We, t- we, we determine God's will by what Jesus demonstrated and taught, right? The message translation, look at this. A thief is only there to steal, kill, and destroy. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. He came so you can have more and better life than you ever dreamed of. Let's just let him be God. Let's believe him. Right? The Living Bible, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Can you put the Living Bible up there, guys? There you go. Life in all its fullness. Wow. That's God's will for you. Life in all its fullness. Deathless life. Sick-free life. Sin-free life. The New Living Translation. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. (laughs) The Phillips New Testament. The thief comes with the sole intention of stealing and killing and destroying, but I came to bring them life and far more life than before. Weast New Testament. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But he does it by trying to get you to think things about God that aren't true. That's how Satan steals from us. He tries to get us to believe these man-made ideas. Can you imagine if you actually believe that you evolved from some other uh, life form or cell or, or mud or swamp juice? Seriously, not trying to make fun, but what if I believed that? That would change my whole concept of myself. 
That would cause me to live differently, to think of everything differently. That I somehow evolved over billions of years or millions or trillions into this form that I am now. But what if I believe that God fashioned me together in my mother's womb and designed me and had a purpose for my life? It's a whole different way of living. One is completely false, cannot be supported by any science, and that is evolution. I'm really not trying to be a smarty pants here, but there is no scientific evidence for evolution. Zero. You study it out, and you, there are many scientists who, who will stand behind me on that. And many in the scientific community have tried to silence them and exile them because they they know the truth. You want to watch a great uh, movie we just watched called Is Genesis History? Is Genesis History? It's on iTunes and I don't know if it's on Netflix, I forget, Amazon Prime. Is Genesis History? They go through looking at the earth and how how did this really get here? It's excellent. It's time to know the truth about who you are. You didn't come from a monkey. You didn't come from a tadpole. You were fashioned by a loving father who puts you in this earth at this moment in time so that he could show himself to you and you could experience the life he purposed you to have. So at Highway Church, we're about knowing him, the true knowledge of him. We give God our full attention on Monday morning. And everywhere we go, we keep our minds on the true knowledge of him. Last scripture, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, and peace in the Greek, that's well-being, untroubled, undisturbed, well-being. God's riches at Christ's expense, and untroubled, undisturbed, well-being, be multiplied unto you. How? Automatically? Nope. God's will does not happen automatically. You have to engage with him. The real him. Not a man-made version of him. The real Jesus. It comes through the knowledge of God. The knowledge of Jesus. Look at the next verse. Verse 2. And the Amplified. Can you put the Amplified up there? Good. May, may the God's riches at Christ's expense, may his well-being, all that he provided for you, be multiplied to you in the full, personal, precise, and correct knowledge of God. The New American Standard says, seeing that his, oh, I think I skipped it. No, here it is. Seeing that his divine power, go to the next verse, verse 3. Seeing that his divine power has granted to us, he's already done it, Everything pertaining to life and godliness. God has given you everything you could ever want or need. It's already yours. But you just have to know it so you can believe it, so you can receive it. Through the true knowledge. Why does it say true knowledge? Because there's false knowledge out there. You don't want false knowledge. False knowledge will keep you from living the abundant life Christ came to give you. The true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence, for by these he has granted us to us his precious and magnificent promises. Why? So that we can meditate on them, that we can become partakers of his very own nature. So that's what we do here, guys. Come and know him. Come and put the, the, the garbage in the trash. 
and receive his love for you. Learn how much he loves you. Come on, your life's too precious to go another day without knowing his love for you. You're too valuable. You're too valuable to not know him. You're too important to him. You're too important to us to spend another day foreign to his will for your life. Jennifer, come on up here. Say this with me. I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. Again, I'm in the right place at the right time with the right people doing the right thing. Say this. I hear God's voice. I know his voice. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. Amen. That's so good. At Highway Church, we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ and experience the abundant life He came to give you. If you'd like to learn more about God's amazing love for you, please visit us at highwaychurch.us. You can email us at info at highwaychurch.us or message us via our Facebook page. Put your trust in Jesus today and taste and see how good He is.